Colossians chapter 1. Let me read verses 13 and 14. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray once more. Lord, these are your precious, sweet, enduring words, good for our souls, needful for our hearts. Bless us, O God, as we consider them again this evening for the glory and honour of your name. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. There is a pressure that begins to build, at least in this preacher's heart, usually from about Wednesday onward. Uh, the day off is over and Sunday is coming. The Lord's Day lies before us and the pressure is particular when the Lord's Supper is going to be celebrated. A question begins to impress itself upon my soul. How will we focus this Sunday on the crucified and risen Jesus Christ? How will I hold up the Redeemer before God's people again and before those who do not yet know him? How will I exalt the mediator as he set forth in the word of the living God? How will I hold forth Jesus Christ as saviour for faith and for hope and for love? What can I say to draw sinners to him and to delight saints in him? The more I ask that question, the more I cry to God for the Spirit's help to speak simply but warmly, earnestly, to be both fresh and full. And I hope that when we come to the Lord's Day and you hear this kind of language, that God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, nobody goes, oh, this again? More of that? We know these words, we, we understand this language. We pray, I pray, that these things would be sweet on my lips and sweet in your ears. We may know them. Don't we want to know them more? Have you come this evening pleading that God by his spirit would not only give you an understanding that you have yet to grasp, would impress the wonders of these things upon our souls. We could read that over and over and over again, and rather than having less impact upon us, it ought to have more and more. God has delivered us from the dominion, the power of darkness. God has lifted us up and carried us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. I'm not going to, but I hope I could edify you just by reading that over and over again, maybe with a slightly different emphasis here and there over the course of the next few minutes. 
But the reason why we come back to these things and the reason why we study these things and the reason why we unpack these things and the reason why we take these portions of God's word and we we try and turn them in the light that we trust the Spirit is giving us so that the faces of the truth catch that light in different ways is because this is the very core of all our joy. This is where we come to know God and his glory glorious salvation and the language of the apostles is simple and it's clear and it's earnest and they never stray far from this great center of a crucified Christ who sheds his blood for the salvation of sinners like us and my friends it never ceases to stun them how amazing is grace to you is it always amazing Is it increasingly amazing? As we make our way on in this life, does it not become more astounding to you that the God of heaven and earth should send his Son into the world and that he should come willingly taking flesh and blood for us and lay down his life in order that we may know God? That is marvellous in our eyes and it ought to become ever more marvellous. What these words have for us sets before us, first of all, the centre of salvation. Verse 14, picking up the language at the end of verse 13. We're talking about the son of God's love in whom we have redemption. Now, we didn't read much of Colossians chapter 1, but this is just one of the titles that is given to our saviour in this opening chapter. Colossians is characterized by what we could technically call a high Christology. That simply means that the Christ of Colossians is very much the exalted Son of God. And the Apostle wants us to know just how excellent, how glorious, how precious and how exalted he is. And so we have him here as the son of God's love. We're told that he is, verse 15, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. We're told that by him all things were created, that all things were created through and for him that he is before all things and in him all things hold together, that he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. And Paul would have us understand that's where salvation is found. Or better, he is the one in whom salvation is found. This rich language, the son who enjoys the love of his father, perhaps a reflection of those testimonies at the baptism and then on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. All the perfect love of the holy God centered upon this one, his son who has taken flesh and blood. He is also the one who displays God's love. He enjoys it for himself. But by him, the love of God is known. Where do you look when you want to understand what love is like? You look at Jesus Christ dying on the cross in accordance with his Father's will for the salvation 
of sinners. Here then is set before us Jesus Christ as the anointed one. The the, the king of Psalm 2, if you will, coming forth to do his father's will in the power of the spirit. The son of God's love. There is none like him. He is incomparably glorious, incalculably precious. And all these names and titles, rich as they are in their language and their sense, are only the beginnings of the beginnings of the glories that belong to him as the mediator between God and men, now in the glory of his triumph. And salvation is in him, the son of God's love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And so not only do you have that man who is at the centre of salvation, but the apostle also sets before us here the blessings of salvation, freedom and forgiveness, a ransom and a cleansing from our sins. And the sense seems to be here that this redemption is known first in the forgiveness of sins. So this ransom... We have been brought out from under the power and the punishment of sin, delivered from the dominion of darkness. We are no longer under the sway of the evil one. The power of the prince of the power of the air has been broken in us. The bondage, the the Egyptian-like bondage which we were under as slaves of sin, as children of wrath, that has been taken away. Our bonds have been broken and now we are free to serve the living and to true God and to wait for his son from heaven, even Jesus who is delivering us from the wrath which is to come. And that redemption makes itself known with regard to the forgiveness of sins. Now, Paul isn't saying that ransoming or redeeming consists only in the forgiveness of sins. But what he seems to be saying is that if you want to know what redemption is or where it begins or what it tastes like, start with the forgiveness of sins. This is what you might call a vanguard blessing. It marches at the front of the great host of God's mercies for his chosen people. So when you come to Christ, what is it that brings you to Christ? What are you crying out for when you come to God to to receive this ransoming, this redemption? When you look to Jesus Christ, God be merciful to me, a sinner. It's the sense of our sinfulness that brings us to God. It's our understanding, that, that sickness in sin that brings us to ask that the great physician would make us whole. And what is it then that brings the immediate joy of salvation? What does David say in Psalm 32, quoted again in Romans chapter 4? Happy, blessed, truly and lastingly full of joys and good things is the man whose sin is forgiven, whose transgression is forgiven, whose iniquity is covered. The joy of salvation begins with a sense of forgiven sin that I am cleansed from all unrighteousness, that I am no longer under condemnation. 
which is why we can sing, he breaks the power of cancelled sin and he sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean, his blood availed for me. His blood did the job for me. My friends, we have been set free and we have been brought near. The sin that made us damnable has been washed away because of Jesus Christ. And in him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. How? Through his blood. The same language as is found in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. Now, it is, it is a given truth in the Bible that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, no putting away, no forgiveness of sins. That's restated for us in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. If you are to be clean, you're going to need the blood of sacrifice. And all through the Old Testament, as you look at the the furnishings and the, the structures and the activities and the representatives who are working in the Old Testament in that temple, it is all saying you cannot come to God unless you are washed in blood now how do we truly come to God if the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin what does how are we ransomed healed restored forgiven in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins It is the language of sacrifice. The Son of God, heaven's beloved one, poured out his life's blood, even to death, in order that we might live. You understand why, as a preacher, you come to this and you say, oh God, help. Because you say that. How could I say that and not feel that more? How can I say that? Listen, I'm not trying to manipulate. Why is it that you don't feel it? Why is it that you go not, oh, that's nice. I'm not, but you say, it's wonderful. It's, it's excellent. But it doesn't grip us the way it should. My friends, the son of God's love died for you. The darling of heaven sacrificed himself in order that you might be redeemed that you might no longer be under the condemnation that your sin deserves but that you might be brought to God and have peace with him and stand in his grace and know all the prospects that lie ahead of you that inheritance with the saints in the light which the apostle gives thanks for here The God who became man, the eternal son who took flesh and blood. How do you get right with God? It is by his death. The redemption is through the blood of Jesus, the perfect lamb, the spotless lamb, the sinless man who became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And you hear again 
these efforts to pick up these scraps of Bible language, the great emphasis of the apostolic gospel, that this Jesus died for me and you. Paul would have us reckon with the exclusivity of salvation. This is important for the Colossians because there were false teachers here who were saying that Christ is not quite enough for you. God has delivered us from the power of darkness. God has conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption. In no one else, but in the Christ who is himself, the Son of God's love. I don't know if there's a a new kick on in the area, uh, but the Jehovah's Witnesses were out in force around us the last few days. had a knock on my door yesterday morning, and there was a a pleasant-sounding man on the doorstep, uh, and I had some sense of where the conversation was going. And I explained to him that I didn't have a great deal of time to, to, to talk to him today because I was a Christian minister and I had sermons to prepare for the Lord's Day. Oh, that's great. We love the Bible too. I'd be very happy to come back to you sometime and, and talk about this. You can even use your Bible. Oh, thanks very much. That's very kind of you. Before he left, I said to him, I said, I am going to be preaching about the eternal Son of God, the second person of the Godhead, who being God became man, who died in the place of sinners like us, who alone must be trusted if we are to obtain a righteousness that allows us to stand before God. Are you preaching that Jesus? And he said, oh yes, we believe that Jesus, son of God. And I thought, if you're going to blaspheme him, at least have the boldness to say it. You know what he was swallowing, don't you? The difference between a and the. Now, what do you believe about Jesus? Is he a son of God? Or is he the son of God? You can't afford to swallow the difference between those two statements. A Jesus who is merely another son of God leaves you dead in your trespasses and sins. But a Jesus who is the beloved son, who takes our nature, who dies in our place, it is that Jesus in whom salvation is found and in no other. There can be no replacements. Salvation is in this name and in this name alone. There is no other name under heaven given amongst men by which we must be saved. There are no other saviours. In whom tells us that there is no one else. It also at least hints if it doesn't state that it is with nothing else. Paul does not say, in whom, in addition to your efforts. In whom, in addition to some angels. In whom, in addition to some keeping of the old covenant law. In whom, in addition to a few extra superstitions. 
in whom, in addition to a few priests and rituals, in whom, in addition to a sprinkling or a baptizing, in whom, in addition to a, a celebrating of the ordinances, no, in whom is redemption. My friends, not only are there no replacements, but there are no supplements. It is Christ and Christ alone in whom salvation is found. And if you are trying to find someone else, or if you are trying to add something else, then you are not saved. It is looking to Jesus and Jesus alone as the author and finisher of faith that a sinner like me and a sinner like you finds redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our sins. And we must insist upon this. We cannot swallow any syllables. We cannot brush over any articles grammatically. Those these, those he's, those in whom's, they matter in terms of salvation. Anyone else or anything else leaves the ark leaking. We come into Christ. God shuts the door and in him we are safe from the judgment against sin. All of the mercies and the favours that we need are found in this great saviour and in his so great salvation. And so Paul wants us to understand the certainty of this. In whom we have isn't that wonderful? Not we hope, not we wish, not we'd like, not it may be, but in our possession is redemption. The forgiveness of sins because of the sacrifice of the Son of God's love. My friend, if you are trusting in this Jesus, if you have rolled the weight of your soul upon him, if forsaking all else and all others besides, you have come as a sinner to the Son of God's love as he suffers and dies on Calvary's tree and you're saying, oh God, for his sake, accept me. You're accepted. In him, you have redemption. It is now yours and it cannot be taken away. If you've been washed in the blood of Christ, you are clean. If you are clothed in his righteousness, you are accepted in the beloved. And it is your present and enduring experience to possess peace with God. Such is the value, such is the excellence of this sacrifice. That the blood of this Jesus goes on cleansing us from all transgressions. It's not, my friends, that there's never going to be any more sin but it is that this blood redeems. And by this blood, we are cleansed. And clinging to this Jesus, and keeping near the fountain, and going on looking to him in faith, we go on enjoying God's smile. We're not those who had faith and therefore once possessed redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. We're those who have Christ through faith and therefore having been redeemed we go on standing safe in him this is not the language of mere possibility but the language of rock solid certainty this is not the language of doubt but the language of assurance 
This is not the language of questions. This is the language of full and final answers. In him and in him alone is found redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And if you have him, then he is yours and all that comes with and from him now belongs to you. It is fixed, it is sure, it is certain, it is complete and it is eternal. And how do you get it? It's in him. So what do we need? To be in him. How do you get to be in him? It is simple faith. It should be simple. Some of us have found it so hard. Is this really believing? Sometimes run out of illustrations and you know, it's, it's, it's the dropping into someone's arms. If a child leaps into its father's arms, it doesn't ask, have I leapt? It knows, it's safe, it's nestled in a father's arms. My friends, have you trusted? If the Holy Spirit has made you feel your sin and made you cry out to God, if under his sweet influences you've become aware of your need and how Christ meets that need, if you've asked, what must I do to be saved? And you've heard the answer, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have done that. Perhaps some of you say, what else is there? What more do I need? Nothing. Nothing. If you are trusting him to save you, you are saved. Because faith grasps all that Christ is. And having him, it has redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. Faith takes all that Jesus of Nazareth is as the son of God's love. There is more of him to learn, but all we learn, we love. We might say, well, surely there's something else. My friends, when it comes to the infinite excellencies of the sons of God, there's always something else. If I asked you, do you know everything? then there's not one of us can say yes. If I ask you, do you know him? God's people can say, I know him. I want to know him more. I want to know him better. I want to understand more about my saviour and his so great salvation. But I am in him by that gift of faith worked in me by the spirit of God. He died to save sinners like me. He is offered to me, and I, by grace, have taken him. And if you can say that this evening, then you can say, in him I have redemption. I have the forgiveness of sins. I'm a cleansed man, a cleansed woman, a saved boy, a saved girl. My soul is secure. My future is assured my hope is bright my inheritance is fixed all that God has provided in him for sinners like us is held out to faith trust him and he is yours you notice I'm not asking you to trust in redemption I'm not asking you to trust in forgiveness. 
I'm asking you to trust the Son of God's love. I'm asking you to trust a person who died to save us and to entrust yourself to him in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. It's familiar, but is it not precious? It's simple. Isn't it still glorious? Shall we trust him? If there's anything that's crept in, anything that's distracted us, anything that's distanced us from our Saviour, any whisper, any swallowing of the, the, blurring of the ah, trust him as he is, worthy of your confidence. Love him. The Father does. The beloved Son, in whom he is well pleased. With what's called a love of complacency. There's nothing in the Son that in any degree causes the Father to pull back. And he's lovely to us. Not only because of his inherent loveliness, but because he is lovely for us. He is the, the spotless lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And shall we not then serve him? In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. It's what we've come to remember. God have mercy that we're so prone to forget. God be praised that we are so often reminded. My friends, by about Wednesday this week, I'll be asking a question in the study. I'll think about it when I'm driving. I'll chew it over when I'm walking. I'll be distracted by it at times when I'm meant to be talking to my wife and family. How will we focus this Lord's Day on a crucified Christ? How will I hold up the Redeemer? How will I exalt the mediator? How can we hold forth this saviour again? For faith and for hope and for love. What will draw sinners? What will delight saints? I hope it will be fresher. I hope it will be fuller. I hope it will be richer. I hope it will be sweeter. But I promise you I will come back to something like this. This is the son of God's love. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. Amen. Amen.